With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. Bills Mafia, it's Sunday night on an NFL football Sunday, which means the post-game edition of Shout, a Buffalo Bills football podcast. As always, it's Matt Perino, joined by Ryan Talbot. We are sponsored by Tops, your neighborhood store with more. Um, I see a few comments already Mm. sitting here waiting for the start. We were a few minutes late. I was running home from the stadium. I had to write a a quick story before the show tonight on on one AJ Klein, who we're going to talk plenty about today, had himself... The game of his life in, in in a very, very big win for this organization. The Buffalo Bills, 44-34, victorious over the Seattle Seahawks. Josh Allen, another 400-yard passing game. And Ryan, let's start with your first thought on the heels of a win for the Bills that take them to 7-2 for the first time since 1993. Yeah, you know, first thought was Seattle entered this game with a lot of people uh, talking about how bad their secondary was going into uh, throughout the season, and, and we saw it firsthand today. Now, obviously, having a bad secondary on its own is not enough for an opposing team to win. Your quarterback has to deal, and Josh Allen was absolutely dealing today. Uh, he Anyone that he wanted to throw to, he, he seemed to be able to find. He was on target. He was throwing accurate balls all day. Uh, but he, he took advantage of a horrific Seattle Seahawks secondary uh, and possibly had the best performance of his young career. It was so – I feel like we've reached a stage of Josh Allen where, you know, these things shouldn't surprise you anymore, but you just think back to a year ago at this point and the kind of, um, you know, prospect – that I feel like he still was, I mean, still developing, learning so much every day to now where the, the confidence level, and we saw it last week and I know it's the Patriots and it's a team that's a shell of what the dynasty really was, but I thought I sensed a calmness in him, a confidence in him. And that really permeated again today from the very first snap of this game. I mean, they get the ball on a short field. Andre Roberts, uh, you know, has a really nice mm-hmm. run back. Special teams got the shout out today from Josh uh, in the post game press conference, and you know, a little nugget. I mean, Heath Farwell spent most of his career in Seattle, 
So this was a, an emotional game for him. I think his guys wanted to come out and, and and show out today against his former team, and they did just that. I mean, the, the kicking game was really good, or the return game was really good. Andre Roberts continues to show his val value. You set him up with good field position. The Bills come out. They drive three plays. Isaiah McKenzie on a beautiful ball from Josh Allen, and they, they were off to the races. And what we saw today, too, was some complimentary football. And I want to transition to that. We're going to talk more about Josh Allen as we get on here uh, in the Shout Football podcast uh, brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets. Let's talk a little bit about this defense because I think complimentary football has been what we've been we've been searching for, you know, uh, since the start of the season. This is a Bills defense that I think that's where the excitement level really reached a, a, a fevered pitch early in, in the year because, okay, you add make these additions on offense. The offense is supposed to take a jump on top of what was expected to already be one of the top defenses in the league. And then we start the season and it just wasn't that. But today, what's, what was so different about today, you still give up 34 points, over 400 yards uh, of offense to one of the best offenses in the league, but you took the ball away. Four turnovers. Jordan Poyer, who I think has been the best Bills defensive player all uh, consistently all season makes a big play. You know, the, the Seahawks are driving. They score a touchdown there and who knows this is a completely different game. You, you, you really got a, uh, a complete four quarter effort from your defense. And I know it might not even feel like that because you know, the Seattle offense still was able to make some plays and score some points. Yeah. Seattle made some plays. Uh, they had, a, you know, there was one blown assignment for the bills, but overall, like you said, this defense played really, really well. Don't just look at the yards and say, Oh man, they gave up that many yards. They gave up that many points. Look at what they did. And like you said, complimentary football, that interception by Jordan Poyer, I believe it was set up by pressure by Jerry Hughes. Hughes was right there in Wilson's face. Didn't let him run. Uh, so Wilson pretty much threw up a prayer in the end zone that Poyer was there to get uh, Trey white kind of baited. Russell Wilson into a bad interception when Shaq, uh, I'm sorry, when Shaq lost and I was looking at the Miami game earlier and he had a touchdown when Jerry Hughes had his uh, forced fumble, it was Trey white that recovered it. So this defense was working well in all three phases. And then the linebacker position, uh, no one on this defense has taken more heat over the last few weeks than AJ Klein and Tremaine Edmonds. And I thought both of them had fantastic games today. Yeah, let's get to AJ Klein because I had to raise my hand after this one and and take the L. Um, it's a nuanced conversation because you know I I, I mentioned that maybe giving a, a young guy like Delshawn Phillips uh, a shot in this game, you know, at least a, a, a snap share might be a good idea with how much AJ Klein has been struggling in recent weeks. And what happens? AJ Klein comes out, starts, plays the entirety of the game, and is you know, a difference maker for the bills in the second half. And they used them a little bit differently. And this is something that we talked about. If you remember Ryan in the off season about bringing AJ Klein in, I thought he was athletic and he did kind of um, pop a little bit as a pass rusher in new Orleans. And, you know, I, I think it was in the playoff game where he made one big play. It was a sack. I can't remember the game exactly, but you saw that skill set today. And, and Leslie Frazier, he credited Leslie Frazier for deploying a game plan that used the linebackers as pass rushers. And you saw it with Edmonds at times too. Both of them had a sack, ta two tackles for a loss for Edmonds today. He had one going into this game in his first seven. And so I think that they just, it was a great game plan. 
I think they tested some things out against Kansas City. Um, I don't think that they necessarily employed that same game plan in this. And I'm I'm not an X's and O's guru by any stretch, but it looked more like you know they were you know tr- wanted to be a little bit more physical with DK Metcalf at times. They put Saran Neal on him, and then they they allowed their playmakers to make plays. And I thought, um, you know, for all the heat that AJ Klein has taken, um, some of it coming from me, he came he came out and made a statement today, and uh, he said he's he's remained confident in his game throughout the process of, you know, uh, acclimating himself into this bill's defense. And now with Matt Milano on injured reserve, this is a big performance that could help catapult this defense in the second half of the season. Yeah. And you know, Micah Hyde said it best. That was the best defensive performance of, of uh, his life. I believe is what he said. Something along those lines, four hits on Russell Wilson, a sack, a forced fumble, a fumble recovery. He had a pass defense that was more so, a ball hitting him in the back, but he was still running stride for stride with one of the Seahawks receivers downfield, which at the time was a little worrisome saying, why is he covering? I think it was Tyler Lockett of all receivers. Uh, probably not the matchup that they had in mind there, but he was phenomenal. Tremaine Edmonds w- was like you said, um, probably the best game of his season where he, he's kind of, uh, I don't know. I, I feel like at times he still isn't reading plays correctly. He's over pursuing <laughs> He's biting still on some play actions, things that you thought would get phased out. But today I thought he was really solid. He was in the backfield um, on a play where Taron Johnson, I believe, blitzed it. It allowed uh, Russell Wilson to roll out to the right, and there was Edmonds waiting for a sack. So both of those linebackers had huge games. Matt Milano is on the IR, but Darren Lee, when he gets up to speed, he could end up playing a role here. We had Delshawn Phillips activated off the IR. So they are getting some more options there. Uh, but, you know, with so much heat on that linebacker duo, both of them showed out in a big time way today. You know, one of the big storylines going into this one in the last couple of weeks has been, you know, on the offensive side of the ball and John Brown's health status. And, you know, you've seen he's played two of the last four games, even when he's been on the field, he hasn't looked right. He hasn't really made an impact. He's only made one catch in those two games that he played today. The bills went to him early and often. He looked the healthiest he has in a month. He goes out there and has um, almost a hundred yards. He was, if he would have finished off that, uh, that little play there near the goal line uh, late in the game, he would have gone over a hundred yards and had that touchdown. Uh, But instead he finishes with eight catches, 99 yards on 11 targets, 12.4 per, uh, per reception. And we just saw in this game, the importance of a healthy John Brown for Josh Allen, because it opens things up so much for everybody else. And and you saw Stefan Diggs at times. I I think I heard in the press box, a a few people like, man, what's Stefan Diggs doing? I mean, every time he catches the ball, it's almost like he's kind of, uh, you know, slow stepping or, and I, and I kind of just sat there and said, I I think he just is out there just, you know, feeling himself a little bit. It's too easy for him out there. Everything that he was doing, he was going up against a a secondary that was out without their, probably their best corner in Shaquille uh, Griffin, but everything that the bills did offensively, every, every decision that Josh made in this game. I mean, I think you could probably go through this one. There was one ball. I remember where he sailed it. I think he thought, uh, you know, a guy was running a different route than he did, but it wasn't really in harm's way. I don't think he threw an interceptable pass all game. And just to talk, just that in and of itself, I know the Seattle defense isn't playing well. That's huge, and John Brown was huge for them in this game. 
Yeah, only interceptable ball I can think of was that deep shot down the sideline where John Brown almost mm. had to play more of a defender and he got his hand in there. I'm not sure if that would have been intercepted, but that's probably the only one I can think of. And, you know, as much as John Brown helped out Josh Allen, you know who else he helped out? Gabriel Davis. Gabriel Davis, when John Brown has not been around, he, he's been one catch, two catches, pretty quiet. When he goes to being wide receiver number four, he is picking apart that opposition. Uh Four catches, 70 yards, one touchdown that really should have been two touchdowns, but the Bills decided not to challenge that play where he kind of stepped along the sidelines. It looked like he stayed in the whole way, but Buffalo rushed up to the line with that uh, first and goal from the two situation weren't able to punch it in from there. So even Davis had a huge game, and I think that John Brown, having him on one side, Diggs on the other, Beasley in the slot, it's almost like... I don't want to say defenders forget about Gabriel Davis because he's out there. You have to co- have someone cover him, but it just makes life so much easier for him because you're giving your attention to Diggs or Brown or, or you're playing something different or you're putting a spy on Josh Allen. And, and all those little things leave someone to get open or the opportunity to get open. And Gabriel Davis was able to do that today as well for this passing attack. Ryan put out a, a an ask on Twitter about an hour ago for questions, so we got a couple of those. We're going to get to those uh, at the end of the show. If you guys have any questions in the chat on Facebook, YouTube, um, Twitter, wherever you're watching live, please drop those now. We'd love to get into those later on today. This is the Shout uh, Buffalo Bills football podcast. We'll be with you for the next 25 to 30 minutes. Do us a favor, though. I know you're watching live, and we're so appreciative. But if you have to go early or if you got in late, go check it out on all the audio platforms, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple. Subscribe there. You'll get them delivered to your inbox. Every now and again, we have audio-only versions of the podcast, so you want to catch those. Uh, subscribe, rate, and review. It really helps us out. We're going to get into something that you know maybe maybe hasn't been talked an- about enough the last couple of weeks when it comes to Josh Allen right after this word from our sponsor. Ready for football? With every game a home game, Tops is ready for you with its TV a day giveaway. For six weeks, every day you shop is a new chance to win a massive 70-inch 4K TV. Shop Tops for the best deals in town, in-store, or online to win. It's not something we've talked a ton about, Ryan, the last couple of weeks, but it is something that we have mentioned on occasion that, you know, in the midst of maybe this four week uh, regression for the offense, if some people have called it that, I've never really, I still have maintained that I thought Josh Allen and this offense was still playing well, moving the ball pretty consistently. I know you want touchdowns, but, you know, you go back to that Tennessee game, the emotions of that game. And, and then on the pregame show today, Matt Hasselbeck had a great, observation with Josh Allen. And he said, you know, when he suffered that injury in the Raiders game, he had that, it looked like a separated shoulder and that right, right shoulder or left shoulder. He's been on the injury report ever since he's practicing full every day, but he remains on the injury report. He wears that harness on the left shoulder. That's something that, you know, an injury that Matt Hasselbeck suffered in in his career. And he said, it does tend to make you, you know, affect your throws. It, It makes them kind of go a little bit higher. So he said that, the way that, you know, the, the fall off of this Bills offense in the last couple of weeks, it makes a lot of sense considering he's been dealing with that injury. And then he predicted that this is about the time when I suffered the injury four or five weeks later where I started to feel like my old self. And he expected a big game from Josh Allen today. And lo and behold, Josh Allen goes out second 400 yard game of the season, over 80% completion percentage. It was an all around showcase. And, you know, I, I, I he was surgical out there. That's what I wrote. Yeah, that's a perfect word to describe. And I said, let Josh Allen cook because the whole thing is let Russ Wilson cook. That's all we hear from Seattle. Allen was cooking. He was dealing today. Like I said, 
it's one thing for your receivers to get open. It's another thing to deliver them the ball. And he was delivering the ball on time. He was giving his receivers opportunities to run after the catch. Um, he could do just about anything he wanted to today. And he didn't run much. Uh, but when they got down near the goal line, they called the design quarterback run. He was able to get around the outside and, and score in that capacity too. So four touchdowns, 400 yards passing, uh, just an, an unbelievable performance from the third-year quarterback. Let's get into Stefan Diggs a little bit. We talked a little bit about John Brown. I mean, just what this dude has brought to this offense, you can't talk about enough. You can't overstate it. He's on every single play he has to be accounted for. He is the number one threat every time Josh Allen goes back to pass. And having that is just such a nice um safety blanket or you know distraction for everybody else in this offense and and you see it you see the way that you know cole beasley didn't have a big day today but you know the way that john brown got going you mentioned gabriel davis stefan diggs is that bona fide number one he's putting up unbelievably crazy numbers he's i think he's going to be the number one receiver in the nfl i have to check the numbers here uh, i'm going to try to check them in real time if i can um but stefan diggs i mean we continue to, you know, beat this over the head, but you know, a couple of draft picks, I think he could have given up more. And you, you, you even listen, you know, some of the people talking about Justin Jefferson out there, great young talent. I mean, he could end up being the best receiver in a talent rich wide receiver class. We'll see over the next couple of years, but you've even seen his production after a couple of big games start to dip every week. We're seeing consistency for Stefan Diggs. Yeah, they, you're getting that every week from him. And, and going after the one o'clock games, he was number one in receptions. He was number one in receiving yards. I didn't update that after the four o'clock hour games, but he, he's high up there. Uh, he, he is well on pace to shatter his career highs in both of those categories. Uh, he wanted the opportunity to prove that he could be a number one wide receiver in this league. I think that's one of the biggest reasons he wanted out of Minnesota because it was kind of a, uh, a share between himself and Adam Thielen. Uh, and sure enough, he's come to Buffalo. He's been the number one wide receiver, and he has proved that he is more than capable of getting the job done. Yeah, I think that um, he is the number one receiver in the NFL right now. He passes DeAndre Hopkins, who who was pretty much shut down today. I think somebody tweeted out that uh, Hopkins was held without a, a, a target in the first um, I don't know if it was for his whole career or some crazy number, but DeAndre Hopkins, that you know, Miami obviously, you know, wanted to stop him today and seems to do a good job. But let's talk a little bit about. I want to get more into so much of this game, but that was another conversation that I got into on the pregame show on Channel uh, Four today was with Thad Brown from Rochester, and you know, kind of making this, you know, the AFC East when we were discussing it, kind of like you know, this was already kind of signed, sealed, and delivered. This is the Bills division. They're going to win it. Uh, Miami's going to a rookie quarterback in two. And I said, hold the phone a little bit, man. Like, we, I know I've been very high, very bullish on Miami, but I think what they did today was show that, you know, they're going to be able to rely on a really good defense while they bring along a young young quarterback in Tua who I kind of, you know, their situation is very similar to the Bills last year when – you know, Josh Allen, obviously in his second year, not his rookie season, but was a young developing quarterback. They relied on their defense and they ended up winning 10 games and, and getting into the playoffs. So Miami's not a team that I think you want to dismiss at this point. Today's win was massive as you look ahead in the season as, as you start to project this AFC East. 
Yeah, it was two, you know, two back-to-back wins against teams where I think a lot of people thought that the Dolphins would end up losing. Uh, against the Rams, defense and special teams both made plays for the Dolphins, both had touchdowns. Tua was not very good against the Rams. But today, he looked great out there. He, he looked very comfortable. He marched them up and down the field. He made a great uh, touchdown pass to the end zone late in that game. And and the Cardinals left some opportunities out there on the field. They missed a, a game-tying field goal attempt with that at the two-minute warning. Uh, so there were some chances for them to win that game. But at the end of the day, the Dolphins, you know, the, the Bills didn't extend their lead over the Dolphins in the AFC East today. They're still in, in that same spot they were entering today. Uh, you look at their schedule and who they have compared to who the Bills have. There might be some opportunity in the next few weeks for some movement there. It's going to be up to the Bills to not only uh, keep, you know, keep Miami distance, but to, to win some games where, you hope Miami loses it and create some more separation there. So going into your bye week, you you have an angry Arizona Cardinals team next week that lost to the Dolphins. Uh, really talented quarterback there, DeAndre Hopkins at wide receiver, who in his career has fared pretty decently against Trey White. Uh, and there's a little bit of a rivalry there, it seems. So this is a huge game for Buffalo next week, not wanting to look too far ahead from today, but for them to, to win and to keep that pace going to their bye week so that way they can end that last part of their schedule strong, hopefully, and win the ASUs for the first time since 1995. As we get some of the more advanced stats from this game uh, over the next couple of days, I believe Pro Football Reference gets their advanced stats out on Wednesday. So I'm, I'm very excited to see you know, all of the nuanced details of this game, because one of the things that Josh Allen said after today was um, they went zero uh, a few times in this game and it threw this bill's offense for a loop for a while there. If you, if you go back and and, and watch how the, how this thing started scoring drive, scoring drive, scoring drive, then all of a sudden the, 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 the momentum of the game started to change a little bit and the offense slowed down late in the second quarter into that, into that second half. And, you know, Josh Allen, again, for the second straight week, made an adjustment. And it, it all happened at the line of scrimmage, pre-snap reads. And this is where his development has come so so far. And it was the John Brown screenplay again. He just slung it out there really quick, completely negated the blitz that, the, that they were trying to send. I think there was one blitz that they sent Jamal Adams on, and he absolutely devastated Dawson Knox. And this is a guy in Dawson Knox that just really can't get things going here this season. You kind of feel bad for him a little bit, but he's got to step up his level of play. I mean, he's in year two. Like we mentioned, there's, you know, guys that aren't getting it done are going to get left behind eventually with all of the kind of upgrades that they made across the the board. When when Tyler Croft has been given a chance to make plays, he's made plays, but staying on, you know, you know, Josh Allen and, 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 and reading the defense, this is a huge development because if you can't send a zero blitz at him as your final, uh, you know, way of survival as a defense, and I know this defense is not playing well, you know, I think teams are in for some tough times here as they deal with this Bills offense. Yeah, look at last year. Uh, the, in the regular season, the Ravens played a lot of that against Buffalo, and, and Allen was frazzled all game long. He could not make plays. He left a lot out there on the field. Fast forward to these last two weeks. Bill Belichick is really good at masking what he's trying to do and to trick quarterbacks into seeing things that they're not. Allen didn't bite on any of it. He he picked that defense apart, and I know his final stat line wasn't overwhelming, but it was exactly the type of stat line you needed from him last week in that game with the running backs uh, carrying the load there. And then today, cover zero, he knew what to do. He got it out quickly. Uh, Brown took that screen for a huge gain, this one specific play. 
he has truly developed from year one to year two to year three in terms of not just his accuracy, not just his decision making, but also reading defenses. And it's important to note that Patrick Mahomes, probably the best quarterback in the league right now, said that last year at the end of the year was when he finally started adjusting and and learning what he saw there from opposing defenses and learning how to adjust to that. It takes time. It's not just something that comes to a quarterback year one, week five, year one, week 16. It takes time. And we're seeing that from Allen and that development is, is truly there now. Just sharing this out on social media. If you're watching live with us right now on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, thank you so much. We really appreciate you. Um, Bill's got, you know, it's amazing the way that they were able to keep the continuity and the momentum going on offense today with all of the injury issues they were having on their offensive line. I mean, you go into a game without Mitch Morse, which is kind of a headache because you kind of want to see what you what you have here with five of your best offensive linemen healthy to get Cody Ford back this week. John Feliciano came back last week. So if you had Mitch Morris, you could kind of finally get a look at that, at that starting five that I think you envisioned at the start of the season. You don't have that. You get into this game. Ford goes down in the first quarter. Then Brian Winters goes down. Then Daryl Williams goes down. So at one point, and I, and I got to go back and watch. I don't know if they were ever down all three at the same time, but you're looking at Ike Bucker in Ryan Bates at right guard. Ty and Seki getting his first snaps of the season. That depth on the offensive line was heavily tested today. And I thought, you know, despite the seven sacks that the Bills gave up today, and you never want to see that happen, um, especially for an offense that is playing at this level, um, th- that's always concern when, when, when your quarterback is under that much duress. But I also think that just the fact that, you know, you go down three guys like that, eventually, you know, the momentum is going to kind of get cut off there. Yeah, I, I think that's a very fair for you to say that. Uh, it, it's just interesting to to watch this game, see how how far this whole team has come along. Um, you know, switching up here a little bit and, and talking about what, what I heard on the commentary today was uh, not just about Josh Allen, but the defensive side of the ball too. Flipping over here a little bit, they said we don't know what Sean McDermott said. We don't know exactly what we have yet. We're still trying to figure that out. We saw some changes from Leslie Frazier today and, and a more aggressive defense. And I think they learned some things today about that. We've seen that Josh Allen keeps making the progressions on the offensive side of the ball, the offensive line, like you were just talking about. They lose four temporarily, they lose Winters temporarily, they lose Williams temporarily. This unit's been a little bit snake bitten since they've released uh, Quentin Spain, yet you still have Ike Butker coming in, Ryan Bates coming in. That is one area that Brandon Bean has taken very seriously since he's become the GM and, and building depth, adding talented guys. These are not household names. These are not peop, uh, players that people know. But just like the offense, just like the defense, the offensive line can adjust on the fly. They're learning as they go along. This is not the unit that they probably projected before the regular season, but they're learning. They're developing. Allen took more hits and more sacks today than I think he has at all uh, any other game this season. I think it was seven sacks, ten hits, somewhere around that uh, area. So he was hit a lot, but he also said post game a lot of that was on him holding the ball too long. So we're starting to see though different units progress, make make improvements week by week. Running game really wasn't involved today, but last week was an encouraging sign there. So if this team can get rolling, offensive line, quarterback, running back, defense, 
this team could be really scary over that final stretch of the season with some big games on the horizon. Yeah, that quote you mentioned, uh, he, Josh talked about their rush plan and the fact that they brought some blitzes that uh, he said he should have fixed with a different check-in protection, which he figured it out as the game went on. So to your point, um, just more learning happening. And I think the, the scariest thing for opposing defenses and defensive coordinators when it comes to Allen is the Josh Allen that they're seeing now, you know, in the early stages of this season, and I know we're at the midway point, but, you know, I, I'm talking about early November compared to mid-January, potentially, the kind of um, evolution still possible with these weapons around him, it's it's pretty sensational to think about, like, what the possibilities are with this offense when they get their offensive line healthy, you know, knock on wood if you're a Bills fan that, you know, all these playmakers stay healthy. But, you know, Josh said it himself. There's so many guys that can make plays with the ball in, in their hands that um, it makes his job a lot easier, to be honest with you, as long as he's on target, as long as he's on plan. And today he was decisive. He was getting rid of the ball. He made a couple of huge, oh, my gosh, some of the throws that he made today. Hmm. That one, I believe, it was to, to Gabriel Davis that should have been a touchdown. Man. Gabriel Davis responded in a big way. Let's talk a little bit more about him because he was a little bit of a, you know, a goat last week. Um, just, I know the bills won, but just in the sense that he dropped the touchdown pass, you know, the Patriots had a chance to win the game late. Cam Cam Newton uh, fumbles the ball, but if Gabriel Davis makes that touchdown catch, you know, it's a lot safer feeling late in that game. He came back today. He made, he made the most of every one of his opportunities should have had a touchdown there. And it was on an absolutely gorgeous ball that Allen fit off balance a little bit step. I think he was stepping to his one side and fitted over the defender. Davis made the grab kind of scooted in, almost made it into the end zone. Um, he, everything that they did today, over 80% completion percent percentage over 130 passer rating. Davis had a nice little game though. Yeah. I, I thought that was Allen's best throw of the day too. Like you said, he kind of lofted it just above the defender and it went to Gabe Davis and then Davis did the rest and, Gabriel ended up with two touchdowns today. Yes, last week is one opportunity. He let that ball go right through his hands. Should have been a touchdown. Stepped up in a big way today. The first touchdown, I think the Seahawks thought that Josh was going to run it. He kind of like motion like he was going to step forward. Then he stepped back, jumped up, and, and he kind of connected there with Gabriel Davis in the end zone. Uh, but but Davis you know, today, he responded in a big way after that drop last week. Should have been two touchdowns. Uh, but at the end of the day, he made a, a lot of big plays when called upon today by Josh Allen in this offense. I want to get into two kind of like bigger picture topics here, and then we'll go to the questions. Um, let's start with, you know, we post these on New York Upstate and Syracuse.com, and, and um, it has a really cool headline in this one. Can the Bills live on the pass alone? In terms of, you know, when they've been at their best this year and some of their bigger wins, they, I know they ran the ball really well against the Patriots last week, but they've thrown the ball quite a bit. I mean, you saw it today, so much 10 personnel. I'm, I'll be interested to see the numbers on that. Um, 11 personnel with uh, a lot of one running back, one tight end on the, on the field at the same time. A lot of empty sets. Josh Allen lived in the shotgun all game. How sustainable is this model? And is this just now because of the people and weapons that have been added around Josh Allen? This is the identity. This is who they need to be. It's a great question, and I don't have the answer to it, but I, I'm not sure it is sustainable, to be quite honest with you. Uh, against a bad secondary like the Seahawks, against a bad secondary like the Jets where they've gone pass-heavy and he's had a lot of success, yeah, it, it makes sense. 
but you're going to go against some teams that are solid in pass defense. You're going to go against some teams where you do need to run the ball a little bit because if you don't, they're going to start sending extra pressure and trying to hit Josh Allen, and you are in a way leaving him exposed back there if you don't have a back next to him, if you're not trying to do the run play action passes. Um, I, I think that in certain games, certain weeks like today, yeah, you can pick apart a bad secondary like he did. But can he do that against Arizona? Can he do that against the Chargers, the Steelers, the 49ers? Uh, a lot of these teams that are remaining on the schedule, that's yet to be seen. He did it against the Miami Dolphins, who you know right now are playing great defensive football. So maybe it's more sustainable than I think it is, but I still think you need to find some kind of balance between the run and the pass game. Because if you can get the run game going, then defenses are going to bite on the play-action pass. Then Allen can get those bigger chunk plays downfield. It will bring the line, draw the linebackers in, and then he can get those intermediate passes with big yards after the catch. He was outstanding today, and they did not utilize the run. I think Zach Moss led the way with nine carries for a whopping 18 yards. Uh, Devin Singletary, two carries for one yard. So it, it was clear that giving the ball to the backs – uh, was not part of their game plan. And, and a lot of those carries, too, came late in the fourth quarter when they were just simply trying to milk some time off that clock. So today, yes, maybe it's more sustainable than I think, but I still think you have to find more of a balance overall as the season wears on. Yeah, and I think that, to your point, they were going. this was a matchup-specific game plan against a really bad secondary and uh, without their top corner. And, you know, they got Carlos Dunlap, which, you know, you saw him add – uh, a dynamic to that line, but, you know, working him still in and, you know, just, you just look across their defense and I still think that they're trying to figure things out. And so to your point, yes, what I did like today was that between Singletary and Moss, five targets, five catches for 63 yards between them. What did we say on the preview show? Get these guys involved in the passing game. I believe it was a screen pass to Singletary that really popped for me today. And, you know, that was another one of those, you know, adjustments that the Bills made to the Seahawks deciding to blitz them heavy is that they decided to, hey, you're going to come out, you're going to send a couple extra guys, we're going to get the ball in one of our playmakers' hands, let him make a play. Sean McDermott said after the game, the Bills, this is going to be a week-to-week thing. It's going to be a very specific thing. They're going to go back to the drawing board and they're going to game plan for the Arizona Cardinals. It's not going to look the exact same way that it looked this week, just like it didn't look the exact same way today that it did last week against the Patriots. So I think each week they can kind of determine the best way to attack. The good news is whether or not this is sustainable or if this is how they continue to attack teams, the good news is it, it seems like they have a couple different pitches now that they can throw. Uh, it's not like you're bringing in, you know, a, 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 a hard throwing righty that just has a fastball with no off speed stuff. I think that this is a team now and this is an offense and a and a play caller. Let's talk about Brian Dable. I mean, did that did that guy not come out of out of this game? And, and if he could do the Conor McGregor strut, I mean, if anybody could, I think Brian Dable could walk out of Bill Stadium today and get the uh, the chest puffed out and the arms flailing a little bit because you know he everything he dialed up today worked. And he's a guy that man, can you remember back to even last season with the jump that I thought that they took and and some of the calls for his job. This is a guy that's been given the time to settle in with the players that they put uh, given him in his offense. And now it seems like even week to week now in his third season, he has a, a great understanding of 
his players, what they do well, putting them in a position to be successful. And I think you talk about Josh Allen having a great day, Stephon Diggs, John Brown, kudos to Brian Dable for the way that he called this game today. Yeah, and before touching on table, uh, you're right. Both running backs had over 20-yard receptions in this game. And one of them, going back to Dable now, uh, was a screen pass after the Seattle Seahawks had been getting more aggressive, and they were getting after Allen, and, and he backed up, and, and sure enough, they were bringing pressure, they were bringing heat, dropped it off, and I can't. I wanted to say it was Moss, but I can't remember now off the top of my head. And, and he took it down the sideline for a huge gain to, to set up a, a scoring drive for Buffalo. So the, the throw to John Brown that you mentioned earlier that the quick throw out there that he had an answer for a play Ryan Dable and Josh Allen were working well today hand in hand in terms of what they were seeing and then adjusting on the fly making those reads early in the game he was um whatever Dable dialed up in the passing game it was working Allen started out like a house of fire the 25 yard touchdown pass to McKenzie being the play of that drive obviously so you know kudos Dable you're right he should be able to walk a little bit of a, a strut tomorrow today uh, going into next week because that was a great game plan. They put up over 40 points on the Seattle Seahawks. You knew it was going to be a high-scoring affair. Um, and the joke I saw on social media, kudos to the Bills Mafia for this, was the first team to 40 was going to win. And sure enough, the Bills were the first team, only team to 40, and, and they won this game. The other question I, I tweeted out before that I wanted to talk to you, big picture stuff, was where does this – this this win rank in the big wins of the century and you know a couple of additions uh given to us i the first game i go to was last year's thanksgiving game to me even still because of where that was in the season and the fact that the bills needed that to really continue their track towards the playoffs and the stage that it was josh allen versus dak prescott i still would rank that a little bit you know ahead of this one but this is different in the sense that this is a signature win where your offense absolutely explodes. Your defense gets four turnovers. You take out a Super Bowl contender. Let's not mix that up at all. This is a Super Bowl contender of a team because Russell Wilson is so good that if he doesn't turn the ball over, who knows what happens in this game? So this is this is this game feels different. And somebody tweeted to me after the game that you know the biggest difference about this game is that the confidence I have in this team on this day in this season is different than anything I've experienced in the last two decades or this century uh, in this for this Bills team. Yeah, you know, look if you look at the games that Josh Allen has played this year, no one really thought much about that Miami game in week two, but we've seen that Miami has a really good defense and he picked that team apart. That's it that's looking more more and more like a really big win each week that the Dolphins defense plays uh shut down D and, and that they keep improving. But I'm gonna go with today, uh being that spotlight game for Josh Allen because they lost to the Chiefs, they lost to the Titans, the two teams that represented the AFC in the Super Bowl, or in the AFC Championship, I should say, last year, Chiefs obviously in the Super Bowl. Um, and a lot of fans after those two games were like, oh, this is a team that's winning the games they're supposed to, but when are we ever going to see that that win, that statement win? This was a statement win. The Seattle Seahawks are a Super Bowl contender in the NFC. They are still a Super Bowl contender in the NFC. I know the defense has a lot of issues, but you look over that conference, I have as much confidence in Russell Wilson than I do any other quarterback there. Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers. He can lead that team to the Super Bowl out of that conference. 
And for the Bills to come in to put up over 40 points on that on the Seahawks in general, to and I and Russell Wilson had a really nice stat line at the end of the day, but to to force him into some interceptions, to sack him into to force him into some fumbles, create those turnovers. This was a statement game for the Buffalo Bills. This was a statement game for Josh Allen. And this was that win that I think a lot of the fans were waiting for. And I think a lot of media members, national media members, that throw out those power rankings every week. Well, yeah, they won again this week, but it was a game they were supposed to win. I look forward to seeing what those outlets are saying on Tuesday when they generally get published about this win over the Seahawks, who realistically have been in that top five range in a lot of those power rankings and viewed as a true Super Bowl contender. All right, let's get into some of these questions, Ryan, because um, we are going to get out of here before your Sunday night football uh, begins. Let's go with uh, Tredavious White, because I've seen that in the comments on YouTube and I've seen it on your post. Uh, We don't have a a, a specific update. I think the best news of the day, and we'll probably get a a very vanilla one from Sean tomorrow. He'll, you know, we'll ask him about it and he'll say, you know, we're still working through it and So I think we won't really get our first good look at what's going on with Trey until Wednesday. But the good news is, I mean, I think it was, uh, I can't remember who tweeted it, but somebody was like, he's down the way that he was moving it on TV. They were worried it might be an Achilles issue, which you always get nervous with the lower body, anything like that with a Achilles, maybe a knee and ACL, anything like that. He walked off on his own power and it looked like he was walking around on the sidelines. It seemed like everybody was upbeat when they were talking about Tredavious White in the post-game press conferences. Nobody really was too down about it. So you, you just sit there as a Bills fan and keep your fingers crossed because, man, did that guy come out today. Despite DK Metcalf putting up some numbers, I think it was about eight catches for 100 yards, they did a great job, and he was up for the challenge. And the only real big play of the game was that 41-yarder. And DK's just – if he gets a step on you – it's probably over because not only is how good DK Metcalf is, Russell Wilson is one of the best deep ball throwers in the league. Yeah, I thought Trey White had a really nice game. And you're right, right after the game today, uh, Sean McDermott said was asked about it early in his press and he said, oh, I just got out of the shower and I met with you guys immediately. Haven't been told anything. But the fact that Trey White, he, he ho- pretty much hobbled over to that uh, trainer section after the injury, but he was up and moving around, like you said, after it joking around a little bit it looked like with some of the guys and like you said um in in some of these pressers after the game some of the defensive backs were saying how they're going to give Trey White a really hard time when they're watching over the film tomorrow or Tuesday saying how did you not score a touchdown on this play so being that upbeat having uh, you know the high spirits like that I think it it leads you to believe that hopefully everything's going to be okay there um it, it it would be a disappointment, but it wouldn't be shocking, though, if the Bills said, well, maybe we need to give him a week before the bye week to really get him right. That would be a, a huge showdown with the Cardinals if they didn't have him. But you don't want to speculate on that either. So, like you said, we'll, we'll hear from Sean McDermott tomorrow. You might not get much of a response. By midweek, we'll have a better idea of Trey White's status and the severity of this injury. Um, is Allen the best quarterback from the 2018 draft class? Ooh. That is a great question, and you know my thoughts on, uh, you know, maybe jumping the gun a little bit on Lamar Jackson. Who, listen, don't get me wrong, I'm a I'm a big fan of Lamar Jackson. I love watching him play the game. He's he's a he's a he's a good quarterback. Had a great season last year, but I just I was very reserved about the long term viability of his style based on the the lack of success in the playoffs. And of course, Josh Allen didn't have any success in the playoffs last year. Um, he was 
okay at times against Houston, uh, had some really not okay times. But the biggest difference is in the player and the prospect. I mean, correct correct me if I'm wrong, I'm blanking here. Lamar Jackson was the Heisman winner. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we're talking about a completely different level of player coming into the NFL. Um, Who has had the most success to this point? Lamar Jackson. Who do I think has the chance to be the best quarterback from this draft? And who that's for me is Josh Allen. And I think that Josh Allen has been far and away the best quarterback from that draft class in 2018. Yeah. If you're asking me right now, 8, 17 PM on November 8th, 2020, who's the best quarterback I'm saying it's Josh Allen. Who's the better athlete? Lamar Jackson. Who's the better, bigger playmaker? Lamar. He makes some spectacular plays, but right now in terms of consistency, I think it's Josh Allen. We've had some duds from Baker Mayfield. Uh, when Lamar Jackson faces some of these tougher defenses these con- from these contending teams, he really struggles. Uh, he doesn't look like the quarterback that we see in most games. He- there's still some accuracy issues there. He is a dynamite playmaker. He can play in this league for 10 to 15 years um, just based on that athleticism alone and, and the-, the ability to make those plays. He does need to show a little more consistency, though. But right now, I think in this draft class, I I am pointing to Josh Allen as being the best quarterback at this time right now. And I would also I would disagree with you a smidge on what you just said, just from the sense that I think Josh is even a better playmaker than Lamar Jackson this year. And when we're talking about playmaker, I'm not just talking about with his legs. I'm talking about with his arm, too. I mean, some of the throws that he can make, as good as Lamar's ever been, I don't think that he's making some of the throws that Josh Allen has made this year. And I just think that, first of all, he's got way more weapons. I think the the, the longer you get into uh, a, an offense predicated on the success of three tight ends, um, it's, you're just going to have a difficulty sustaining that, I believe. We will see. There's still a lot of football left to be played, not just this year, but for these guys' career. I mean, this is year three. That's one of the things I also always talk about. We're so quick to overreact and want to place, you know, we see game one of a rookie year and we have takes on takes on takes for days about what a guy's career is going to be forever. And so let's just let it marinate. Let's let it develop. Um, And that's another question. I would not trade Josh for Lamar Jackson. I have to agree. And there's been some people that have said, man, if, if I think it was Bill Barnwell, who I respect a ton from ESPN. It's a cherry pick thing. He says so many smart things. If you're not reading Bill Barnwell, I don't know what you're doing. But one thing he says is, you know, if the Bills had Lamar Jackson last year, they win a Super Bowl. I disagree with that. I, Lamar Jackson had the Baltimore Ravens team and he lost his first playoff game. And so, yeah, I think that we could talk about this till we're blue in the face, but uh, the, the the best time to talk about it is going to be in the off season at the end of year three, when we have a full body of work, and then it's going to get even more interesting because we're going to see what do the Cleveland Browns do with Baker Mayfield? If things swerve off, off the tracks even further, where's Sam Darnold playing next year? It, it, are the New York jets really willing and ready? Um, even if they, let's say they don't get uh, Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence, let's say they have the opportunity to get one of them. Are they ready to move on from a guy that they spent the third overall draft pick on in 2018? This is a this is a, a league where you know you can't wait around anymore. I mean, Ryan, even this week, people are talking about Tua Tagovailoa, uh, you know, this being a tryout for him, and it's he hadn't even had his second game in the NFL yet. It's a it's a crazy NFL world we live in. 
Yeah, it, it's pretty wild. And the one thing I'll say is Darnold does not have that uh, connection with the GM. The GM did not make that pick in New York. So I would not be shocked if he does play somewhere else next year. And you know what? For his sake, I hope that is the case because I, I feel like the Jets have done him no favors. They have done nothing to advance his development. Um, so I, I, I still think that he can be a winner in this league. So uh, hopefully he lands somewhere where there's a veteran QB. I'd prefer it to be in the NFC, but maybe if it's in the AFC, a team like the Colts, a team like the Steelers, where he can actually sit a year, develop behind a veteran. Uh, and then, you know, by that time, he should be what you, I think, anticipated him being coming out. But you're right. There are still questions about the long-term viability of Baker Mayfield in Cleveland and Sam Darnold. Uh, with, with the Jets. So the Bills are sitting pretty right now, it seems like, with Josh Allen. There, there's no questions about that. This is a guy that uh, is winning you games with his arm. He can win games with his with his legs. He's developing. He's more accurate than he's ever been in his career. Uh, and he still makes multiple plays, again, with his legs. So reading the defense as well, it, it's hard to criticize him much at this point in year three. Well, we're over the 200 uh viewer mark here uh on youtube alone and so you guys are absolutely awesome for joining us on this uh post game edition of shout at buffalo football podcast uh we're gonna wrap things up here in a moment uh but before we did get out of here i wanted to give you a chance uh for a final thought final thought bills get this statement win sean mcdermott said it best though he said you know we have one more game before this bye week we need your best the Bills need to go into that bye week going into a, you know, off of a big winning streak with, with wins over the Chinese Seahawks. And if they can get this one against the Cardinals, well, one, what a way to enter the bye week where you, then you still have some really tough opposition on the other side. Um, this, this is a huge week coming up. And I know every week's a huge week, especially when you're in first place and there's teams coming for you like Miami. But this is another statement opportunity for the Bills against a really good Arizona Cardinals team and a really good Arizona Cardinals offense. While we have all of you in the live edition, I got to I gotta do a little shout-out. Uh, first of all, somebody from Wyoming has been asking all episode <laughs> for a shout-out. Um, so, my man, uh, all the way in Wyoming, uh, shout-out to you, Ebby Zonia. Uh, thank you for watching. But – Everybody in the comments always tells me to say this, and I never do. Smash that like button. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube if you're finding us for the first time. We are live all the time. This last week, we did three shows. We're probably going to do three more this week. We got a, a big last game, the Arizona Cardinals, before the break. Um, I will give you my big takeaway from this game before we get out of here. It's that I think the defense is finally finding a way to be the complement to this offense in in a way that I know that they gave up all the yards and the points, but to get the four turnovers with the, the lack of turnovers that they've had all season, I think they're starting to figure things out. I think Micah Hyde getting back really energized this group. Jordan Poyer continues to play at such an elite level. And then Tredavious White with the, you know, the big interception today, massive game for him and this front. They're, they're playing the matchups. Harrison Phillips was inactive today. They went with Justin Zimmer. Vernon Butler was back. You saw Mario Addison with another sack. How good has he been? He is going to attack that nine-sack number that he's put up, at least nine sacks in the last four seasons. So my big takeaway take from this game is, while you know, it may not have always been pretty 
you know, stylistically to give up 34 points, this defense, to me, this defense played really, really well today in a game where they needed them to make a lot of big plays. Josh Allen credited them for a couple short fields. And so you take that, you put it in the bank, and you go on to next week, another tough challenge against the Arizona Cardinals. We're going to talk a ton about that this week. We don't have Wednesday's show lined up yet. I'm going to work on that tomorrow. But until then, for Ryan Talbot, I am Matt Perino. This has been the Buffalo Bills football podcast, the Shout Football Podcast. We will be back soon. Have a great night. Enjoy the last few hours of your weekend and enjoy your win. Ready for football? Tops is with ready-to-serve fan favorites everyone will cheer for. Delicious family or party packs like pizza, sliders, fried chicken, barbecue, or beef on whack. Starting at only $4 per serving. Perfect for game day and any day. Only at Tops.